Oh, the evidence. The evidence that he's a living God. The evidence that his word is yea and amen to the believer. Oh, we've seen the evidence. And I don't know if you didn't miss it on Wednesday night, but we've seen the evidence. The land is a good land. The land is flowing with milk and honey. There's healing in the land. There's deliverance in the land. There's Holy Ghost in the land. There's salvation in the land. The land belongs to you now, church. Oh, we've seen the evidence all over our lives. Wonderful. Amen and amen. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the evidence, Lord. Thank you for a land that flows with milk and honey. Lord, thank you for the fruits of the land, Lord, a word that's been opened up to a people, Father. Lord, we can come into the realities of the Holy Ghost, Lord. We can come into, Father, the realms of the supernatural, dear God. And Lord, no longer on the outskirts looking in, but Father, we're on the inside, Father, feasting on the great things of God. And we just trust today, Father. You'll come by once again and speak to us, Lord. Minister to the lives, to our hearts, to our needs this morning. Oh, God, may we just feast once again on the evidence, the evidence that's in the land. God, we're so thankful for what you've done in our lives, where you brought us from, Lord. God, we can look back years ago in the life that we once lived and we see where we are now. And it's all by your mercy and all by your grace, dear God. Truly, the evidence is all over us. It's all over even like tabernacles, all over the bride worldwide. And we just ask that, Lord, you'd have preeminence today. You'll bless this service. You just come by and speak to us, Father, for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Love the Lord this morning. Amen. Let me just find my place here. Just thinking about Wednesday night and trying to figure out what to preach. You know, sometimes you just, a minister will study and have things on his heart and then only to get to it and things just completely change at the last minute. And I'm just thinking about Wednesday night and how the Lord just used the end of the service and we had all the evidence of the land and we know that it's a good land and you know, I just couldn't get away from it. So today we're just going to look at the promised land and uh, as it pertains to the believer. And I want to speak to you on God Does Impossible Math, part 17. But I want to give this a subtitle, Make Your Move. I want it to be personal to each of you this morning. Not your neighbor, not your mama, not your daddy, not your brother, not your sister. But you got to make your move. Yes, sir. Amen. We find here in Deuteronomy verse one, or chapter 1 and verse 19. And when, and when they had departed from Horeb, we went through all the great terrible wilderness, which you saw by the way of the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, you are coming to the mountain of the Amorites. Notice, he's telling them where they're coming. You're coming to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doeth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord our God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, Well, we will send men before us, that they shall search out the land and bring us word again by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. And they turned and they went up to the mountain and they came into the valley of Eshcol and they searched it out and they took the fruit of the land in their hands and they brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land which the Lord our God doeth give us. 
Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you murmured in your tents, and you said, because the Lord hateth us. Now, notice how the devil can flip the script. The Lord hateth us, and he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Now, God just said, I've taken you to the land of the Amorites so you can have it. It's going to be yours. Whither, whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakins there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God goeth before you. He shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in, the, in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doeth bear his son, and all the way that you went, until he came into this place. Yet in the thing you did not believe the Lord your God. Who went in the way before you to search out the place to pitch your tents in. In the fire by night and to show you by way you should go in the cloud by day. You can have your seats this morning. Like I said we want to speak to you this morning on make your move. And we find that the children of Israel have come through Egypt. They come out. They crossed over uh, the Red Sea. God done miraculous. They seen the ten supernatural signs being performed and yet they get to a place brother Bram will call it as the scripture says Kadesh Barnea and this word Kadesh Barnea means a holy place of desert wandering it's uh, the judgment seat of the word or judgment seat of God it's a it's a word showdown it's a place that the children of Israel had to make their decision on what they were going to do were they going to trust God and move into the land or were they going to listen to the unbelief of the spies and, and camp down on where they were at and, and I believe before us lays here this morning we have a Kadesh Barnea setting before us do we allow our doubts to keep us out of the land do we allow our doubts to keep us from living free do we eventually die in the desert in this wasteland of never overcoming never able being able to rise above some sin or some habit never able to claim the promise for myself because we're afraid to trust God. Maybe you've seen somebody go out in faith and, or go out and try to trust God and they failed and you're looking at their failure and you say, well, if they couldn't do it, I can't do it either. And we realize every person here this morning, you're seated at a Kadesh Barnea. You have a decision that you must make. Every service is a showdown. Every service is that to make a decision. Will I believe the message? Will I move further with God? Or will I, will I allow the word to change? me or will I continue to circle around the mountain of unbelief that I've been camped out around so they come and they come out of sin they come out of unbelief they left the harsh treatment of Egypt they left the world they put all these things aside and here they followed the word they followed the prophet until they got to this point and this was a very pivotal point in their walk in their journey do you take God at his word do we believe God sent a vindicated prophet? Do we move into the land? Or do we listen to all the hearsay and all the negativity that surrounds the message of the hour? Do we, do we believe all the negativity about Brother Branham and about how he missed it and about how his humanity got in the way and, and we listen to all the lies of the enemy? Or do we listen to what the word of God says? I've given you the land. The land belongs to you. I'm bringing you to the place of the Amorites, but the land is yours. You must go in at once and possess the land. Now, Brother Benham will tell us here in the message the results of the decision. He says, we're no longer in Egypt. We done pulled up our tent stakes and left. We've come through the Red Sea, the blood of the Lord Jesus. We've seen all the old habits and things of life drowned. 
the taskmasters that drove us through the bar rooms and to the cocktail lounges and so forth. We've seen all that drown like Pharaoh and his horses. And now then we're in the wilderness moving along, following the angel of the covenant, the Holy Spirit. And knowing that we're on the road to the great land, he says, they'll be here. And during the days of the millennium, he says, and we're going for a thousand years in the millennium. But he's saying, we're on the road to the great land. We're on the road to our millennium. We're on the road into the promised land. So there they were taking a physical exodus they were leaving Egypt behind and if we're in another exodus church that means we're going to find another Kadesh Barnea that means God is bringing the people to a pivotal point do you move on with God do you move on with the word or do you stay camped out with unbelief do you stay camped out with your sickness do you stay camped out with the things that beset you before or do you pack up your tent stake and move forward say God I'm trusting you I don't know how I'm going to get through it God but I'm going to believe anyway God I don't care what's in the land I'm trusting you Lord because you gave a promise you gave a word you gave us an exposition to go forth into the land and possess what belongs to you see we got to get to a point in the journey where we have to make a decision trust God and go or listen to the negativity and we find that because of their negative report they discouraged and disillusioned many of the would-be believers And if we listen to the discouragement, we listen to the lies, we listen to believe the sign and all that filth and garbage, what does it do? It discourages the believer. It disillusions because what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to plant a seed of negativity. He's trying to plant a seed of doubt. And if you give reason, if you give credence to that doubt, that doubt begins to overtake you and you can't see the blessings that's in the promised land. Brother Bram says the greatest sin I find in the church today is unbelief. Notice, not out in the world, but the greatest sin that he finds in the church today is unbelief. That's the only sin there is. There's no other sin but unbelief. How much of that is night out there? How much is dark? You couldn't say this much is dark. Go out from my hands. It's all dark. He says, now, there's only one way to designate and determine sin, and that isn't by whether you drink or whether you smoke or whether you gamble. It's designated this way because you are an unbeliever you do that because you're an unbeliever he said if you was a believer a firm believer those things will be dead and black as the night is before you certainly those things are attributed to unbelief and we find unbelief kept those out of the promised land and unbelief in the church of the living God today will keep us out of the promised land it'll keep the spirit of God from moving it'll hinder every service it'll keep people cramped down and they can't rise up and accept the promises of God we need to get unbelief out of our midst and trust God and believe God and serve God and say yes Lord your word is yea your word is amen your word belongs to me I'll take the land see their failure the failure of the children of Israel at Cadiz Barnea was due to their unbelief toward God and toward his promise see God is faithful and his word cannot fail but the people neither believe God nor do they believe the promise now, I know we all have at some point had the enemy sit on our shoulder and whisper in our ear. Yes, sir. It's not for you. You can't take it. Yes. You're not good enough. You're a nobody, a has-been, never will be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. See, their unbelief, though, offended God. Amen. Their unbelief offended God. They refused to go up and possess the land, and they began to murmur 
in their houses around the dinner table. They begin to murmur in the tents. Well, brother so-and-so this, and brother so-and-so said that, and this sister and that sister. And the first thing you know is they killed the influence. They killed the influence of the land. The land had this and the land had that. But because they begin to murmur and show all the negativity and all the fault and all the humanity, it kept others from wanting to enter into the land. It discouraged all the other believers from going into the land. And we find those that genuinely don't believe, they're the ones that don't fully obey. They may dress like a believer. They may act like a believer. When they're around believers, they may talk like a believer. But when it comes to the showdown deep in their heart, they don't believe. There's something that's nagging at them that said, this is not for you. This is not for you. And we find they're willing to die out there in their own ideas than to take God at his word. They're willing to circle out in the wilderness versus go into the promised land of truth. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 6, it said, The Lord our God spake unto us in horrible saying, You have dealt long enough in this mount. You have dealt here long enough. And some of us, we have camped down on ideas. We have camped down on why we can't do it, why we this, why we that. I believe I can say that we have camped down and we've been at this mountain long enough. It's time this mountain of sickness has to leave and we move forward. It's time this situation, it may be unsurmountable, it may be a great big mountain in your life, but you've been camped there long enough, it's time to go forward. Maybe it's some habit that's keeping you from receiving the Holy Ghost. It's time that you go forward. You've camped out there long enough. You've, um, you've you disbelieved the word long enough. Now it's time to go forward. Some of you've camped down on justification. But I want you to know you need to move on into the sanctification. And those of you here today that you camped down on sanctification, you're just good. We're living a sanctified Christian life. It's time that you move forward into the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You move forward into the promised land of the word and eat of the things of the Lord. Eat of the greatness of God. It's time that we pack up. We dealt in this mountain long enough. It's time to move, church. It's time that the church of the living God makes its move right now. It's time that we take our journey into the promised land of the opening of the word. We're no longer, look, this message is no longer in its infancy. We're no longer a little baby. This message is being, the bride has come to maturity and it's time that we possess all that belongs to us. We were without excuse today. The word has been open and we now know what he wants done with this word. He's looking for somebody, Brother Aaron, that will believe. Somebody that will believe against all the naysayers. Somebody that's going to take him at his word. God gave the promise that the land is before you. And all he's looking for is somebody that will say, I'll go. I'll go. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they criticize. I don't care how I have to act. I don't care what our service looks like. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to trust God. I'm willing to let myself go and get be influenced by the supernatural. If it means I speak in tongues, I'll speak in tongues. If it means I'll dance in the spirit, I'll dance in the spirit. If it means I'll run around the church, I'll run around the church. If it means I'll say amen to the word, I'll respond back to the word. I'm ready to go. Go and occupy. The land belongs to you. The promise belongs to you. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 20. And I said unto you, you are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doeth give unto us. 
Notice, it's a promise. He's given it to you. Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. See, every promise is yea and amen to the believer. Every promise in the book, Brother Ram said, belongs to the believer. Now, how many is a believer this morning? So every promise belongs to you. Now, you search your life. You do an inventory of your life. Is there a promise out there that's just in reach that you hadn't attained to yet? It belongs to you. Make your move. It's time to make your move. You can't sit idle. You can't stay where you are. You're going to die. Brother Bam says, now, Christ keeps all his words. He has to. He has to do it. I don't have to do it. I'm mortal, subject to mistakes. But he is immortal, infallible. He has to keep it. But I don't have to keep mine. You don't have to keep yours. But he does. Oh, doesn't that place something in you to know that he, he absolutely, or he's absolutely bound to that word. God is absolutely, Jesus is absolutely bound to that word. And we find here in Ephesians 5 and verse 27 that he might present to himself a glorious church. Now, there's a promise. God is going to have a bride. He's going to have a glorious church, not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And in the message, the invisible union, the prophet of God, I believe he tapped into the mind of God to show you us exactly who we are in this hour. He says, you are the pure, virtuous, sinless bride of the son of the living God. Every man and woman that's born of the spirit of God and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and believes every word of God stands as though you never sinned in the first place. You are perfect. This is a promise given to you. Oh, you may wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and the first thing you see is faults. First thing you see is failures. First thing you see is shortcomings. But God doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see your failures. He says you are the pure, virtuous, sinless bride of the Son of the living God. Every man and woman that's born of the Spirit of God and washed in the blood of Jesus and believes every word of God, every word of God, you stand as though you never never sinned in the first place. See, you're standing completely. You never sinned at the first place. God don't even know. It's in the sea of forgiveness. You never did it. You were accused of it by the accuser. But really, from the beginning, you were predestinated to be a son and daughter of God. You're standing there washed. See, your old book of divorcement is put away. It's dead. Absolutely out of existence, even in the mind of God. You're the virtuous bride of Christ, washed in the blood of Christ, precious, virtuous, sinless son of God, standing with a pure, unadulterated bride word that he's washed by the water of his own blood that become flesh and manifested, that he might take you, which was predestinated in the bosom of the Father before the beginning, the same as he was. Oh, that's who we are, church. That's the promise to you this morning. Oh, you're not some little sinner you're not some castaway you're not some cast down but no you're the pure the sinless bride of Jesus Christ that's who you are that's what the word claims that's manna me from the heavenly land that's the word from the promised land telling you who you are not what you was see that's the promise to every 
believer, that's promised land, man. You never sinned in the first place. In the first place, you were in the mind of God. In the first place, God never seen you as a sinner. In the first place, you were a thought of God. And God saw you as the son and a daughter of God. You're standing the pure, unadulterated, bride word. That's who you are. That's what God wants you to understand this morning. And you can claim that. That's your promise. Now go and take the land. But Israel made their mistake. They turned and went into the mountain and they came to the valley of Eshcol. They searched it out. They took the fruit of the land in their hands. Notice they partook of it. Even like Tabernacle, we are without excuse. We have seen cancer delivered, cancer delivered, cancer delivered. We have seen the supernatural. We have seen eyes being opened. We have seen God moving the miraculous. In this church, we have tasted of the land. We have placed it in our hands. Service after service after service, we have seen the dynamics follow the mechanics and produce what the word said it would produce. He says they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and they brought it down unto us and brought us word again. And they said, it is a good land which the Lord our God doeth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. Notice, Israel made its mistake when it stopped. Israel made its mistake when it stopped. See, if they had went on, they would have possessed the promised land right there for God gave them the promise. He's good to his promise. If they had gone on over, but they stopped marching. And notice he said, when they stopped, or when they stopped marching, they started wandering. Now, you're at a Kadesh. You can keep marching or you can start wandering. See, when you stop moving forward in this present truth, you start wondering, is it for me? Is it for my family? Have my kids gone too far? Have they sinned away their day of grace? I got all these faults. You begin to complain. We begin to murmur. We begin to find, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so said that. You know, the problem, church, is not so-and-so. The problem is you stop short of the promise. You find people, you've been around people, we all have. It seems like every time you get around them, they're talking about a problem. They're talking about this. They're talking about that. And they fail to do a deep dive into their own self and realize there's a common denominator in all this. And the common denominator is me. It's because I stopped short of the promise. Because if you keep walking into the promised land, you're not looking at this. You're not looking at that. You're tasting. You're feasting on the grapes. You're feasting on the heavenly manna. You're not worried about what this one said or how that one acted. No, you've got the land in your hand and you're a partaker of the heavenly promise. We wonder about this and we wonder about that. Is this right and that's right? What about the cloud? Was it a really a rocket or was it the head of Christ? What about the bridge? How many fell? You know, we were, we're wondering about the humanity of a prophet, not allowing him to be a human, making him infallible. We wonder about, is the Holy Ghost for us? Can I be healed? Have I gone too far? Can I even enter into the land? Is there enough time for my children to come back? See, the promised land is unto you, unto your children, unto them that are far off. Those that ain't even looking to come to church, those that ain't even looking for God, the promise is still unto them because the promise pertains to you. You got sons, you got daughters out there in the wilderness wasteland. You keep believing, you keep trusting because the promise is yours. The promise is unto them that are far off, not even looking for God. God's able to reach down and get them. Keep believing until you see it manifested. Notice what they said in Numbers 13, 
Verse 27. And they told him, and they said, We came unto the land whither thou sendest us, and surely, surely it floweth with milk and honey. And here, this is the fruit of it. Could you imagine? You come before a prophet. He sent you down into the land, and you come back bearing fruit. The PET scan two months before showed cancer. Two months after, after you visited the promised land for 40 days, there's no cancer. And then you refuse to go in. You refuse to tell people God's a healer. God still does miraculous. God still saves. Because you're worried, oh, the days of miracles is past. Let the naysayers say what they want. We got the promised land in our hands. See, nevertheless, the people, notice, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled. They're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and the coast of Jordan. Notice, these 10 of the 12 spies came back. And all of them had evidences. They weren't unbelievers to this point. But they went into the land and they come back with fruits. The evidence all over their life. They were probably wiping grape juice off of them. They had the evidence. It was all over them. They'd been in the promised land. But notice, they walked through the land. They explored every inch of the promised land. Their eyes witnessed the amazing, amazing things of the land, the beauty in which it beheld. They tasted of all that it had to offer. They said it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. And milk and honey depicts fertility of the soul, productive in a prosperous land, a land that was rich in natural resources that you could cultivate and produce. In the Oriental, the milk and honey represented food for the gods. And we find this land, here they come back, they said, this land is only fit for God. And what am I telling you, church? I'm telling you, this is your land. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. He will call you Messiah. That's where we're going. It's a land only fit for God, not for unbelievers. And we're not unbelievers, but we're believers this morning. And the land belongs to you. But you got to take your time. You got to make your move and enter into that land and possess everything. But notice, they went in for 40 days and explored the promise. Man, they seen cancer healed. They seen the supernatural. Man, they seen one event after another event. They had speaking in tongues. They had all kind of supernatural experiences in the land. But when they came back, there's giants in the land. We can't take it. We can't take it. It's not for us. There's the sons of of Anakin are there and the Jebusites and this one there and the people they're strong in the land the cities are walled up every excuse they could come up with to not occupy the land every excuse see it's like the devil to bring a negative report to scare you from going beyond the negativity and reaching into the promise you know I love how brother Brandon would say and he would say the devil's nothing but a scarecrow See, so he just scares you into something. He has no legal rights at all. He was stripped of every right principality. He, he spoiled everything when he died at Calvary. He said, there was a man that lived down here who really loved birds. I'm not sure what's going on here on the platform, but something is 
not right. Okay. There was a man that lived down here and he really loved birds and he had a wild strawberry patch. And he wouldn't let nobody bother. He kept that for the birds. He went to Florida one year. He didn't come back in time. And some fellow wanted to pick them berries. So he, he put a big old scarecrow out in the field like that. Notice somebody came into his land and erected a scarecrow. Because he wanted the berries for himself. He wanted the, what was in that promised land for himself. He says, now... He said, well, all these birds are making their habit of coming every year. They come and they found this great big patch and it had this scarecrow in it. And some of them were just sitting way up in the trees, some on the telephone wires, some on the poles, and some were just squawking and carrying on about it. Why is this scarecrow there? We can't get in there. We used to come here time and time and we used to go and we used to eat these strawberries, but now we can't go in. There's a big scarecrow. He goes, well, I thought that was amazing. But somehow right in the middle of the patch setting right there, the arm of the scarecrow set two big crows just eating till their belly was full and they was hard as they could go. Two big scarecrows wasn't worried about with a scarecrow or two big crows. They wasn't worried about the scarecrow. They knew what was beyond the scarecrow. What am I telling in your church. Satan is there to put scarecrow after scarecrow in your life. But just go beyond the scarecrow. We have tasted of the evidence. We have tasted of the land. We know that it belongs to us. We've been here once before. We've been here before. Now go beyond the scarecrow. Go beyond the things that you see, the things that you feel, the things that the little awkward moments in your life and move into the blessed promised land. They come to the borderland. Kadesh Barnea. But they make a great mistake. Notice, they made a great mistake. We can't take it. They're three days' journey from entering in. Three days. Three days' journey from the blessed promised land. All the trouble, all the toils of life, all the hardships, all the fear of Pharaoh, all that behind them. Three days' journey from moving in. And here they were, they go in, and they said, there's grass, we're grasshoppers. See, they looked at their circumstances instead of looking at the promise. They looked at the walled cities instead of looking at the promise. They look at what we're not able to do in our humanity instead of looking at the one who gave the promise. See, we've been taught by this message, though, not to look at circumstances. We've been taught to look at the word and the word only. We've been taught to believe the promises of God. And so many believers continue to look at the giants. So many believers today continue to look at the giants and allow the scarecrows from keep you from living a victorious life. Scarecrows of complexes. Scarecrows of depression. Scarecrows of fear. Scarecrows of unbelief. Scarecrows of sickness that you're never going to get well to keep you from feasting that's in the land. See, because they lacked faith, all the spies except Caleb and Joshua were discouraged. And we find many preachers and many pastors today, they don't want prayer lines. They don't want prayer lines. They don't want to move another spirit in their church. Though they've been in and received and testified of the promised land. Oh, they've been in there and they've seen the tongues of the real initial tongues. They receive a genuine tongues. They've seen the miraculous take place. They've seen a real dance. They've seen a real moving of the spirit. But when they come back, they don't want their churches to have that. They don't want their churches to be labeled Pentecostal. Though they were willing and they enjoyed their time in Pentecost in the promised land. 
But because everybody else is naysaying this and, you know, we got to get away from Pentecost and we're not going back to Azusa Pentecost. But in order to go into the promised land, we got to go back to the original. We got to go back because, look, this book of Acts is going to produce the same book of Acts. It's going to produce the same signs, the same wonders. This branch ever puts forth another branch. It's going to be exactly like the first branch. But see, their doubt had turned to unbelief and their unbelief caused them to rebel against God. See, their doubt turned to unbelief, and their unbelief caused them to rebel. Numbers 13 and verse 27, we came into the land whither thou sentest. Notice how they interpret this. We came into the land whither thou sentest, not the land the Lord our God is giving us. See, they didn't take possession of the promise. Lord, you're sending us here, but not this is the land that God is giving us. And I want you to know, church, God has given us a great land. Yes, sir. God has given us a tremendous land. This is not a land that, that we're just to go into that he sent us out to explore. No, he's given us this land. And yet when they got there, they saw grasshoppers, or they saw giants, and they, they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and they looked at the obstacles. They looked at the giants. They looked at the walled cities. They allowed everything that they saw with their flesh to influence their perception of the land. They looked at the people. They looked at all these things. And I wonder how many times we look at the circumstances. It's not for me. How many of the devils ever told you that? It's not for you. See, their eyes were on the obstacles, on the giants, on the walled cities. And their eyes wasn't on the promise. And they allowed what they saw in their flesh to influence their perception. I wonder, you know, and we, we think about this. We only see how big our situation is a lot of times. We only see how difficult our trial is because we're human. And that's what we can relate to. But church, we got to realize how big our God is. We got to realize who made us the promise. He made us the promise. Nothing will stand before your prayer, not even cancer. See, if they would have only looked at God by faith, they would have seen the one that made the promise. They would have been another Caleb and another Joshua. It would have been 12 Caleb's and 12 Joshua's versus 10 and 2. But we find back their cry of unbelief has such an influence and a sway over the people that the entire congregation began to withdraw themselves from the promise. They were excited at one point. Man, they've seen the miraculous. They've seen the, the evidence of the land. They were willing to go. But when they heard all the negativity and all the, the bad report, they were willing to settle to live on the outskirts of the promise and never obtain and never occupy than to go in and possess the land for themselves. They were willing to live on the outskirts of the promise. Just so far looking over. Just so far looking over. Looking over in somebody else's house that has victory. Looking over in somebody else's house that their children are serving the Lord. Looking over in somebody else's house that where they got true divine healing and miracles taking place. They were willing to sit back on the outskirts and look at what God is doing versus partaking of it themselves. They resolve themselves just to be wilderness wanderers rather than possessors of the promise. Amen. And I hope I'm speaking to possessors of the promise this morning, Amen. not wilderness wanderers. 
See, we're not a people that are to pull back from the promise. God gave us a promise. And he said, heavens and earth will pass away before his word will pass away. And we know that the word of God will not return void. So we need to train our attention and look away from our obstacles, look away from the situations and the hard trials, and look to the word of God. Look to the one who gave the promise to us as believers. See, our unbelief will always see the obstacles. You can always count on that. Your unbelief will see the obstacles. Your unbelief will see the challenges. Your unbelief will say, we are not able. I can't measure up. But faith will always see the opportunity. Your faith in the promised word will place you into the land of promise. And we find here in, in Philippians 4 and verse 13, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. See, that's faith. That's not unbelief. Unbelief says you can't measure up. Unbelief says we can't take the land. But we find faith says I can do all things. I can do whatever the, the Lord tells me that I can do. And we find, notice Moses here in Numbers 13 and verse 1. The Lord spoke to him. He said, Moses, pick you some men and send them over into the land. And Moses picks, every, he picks a ruler among them. Notice, he picks a special man out of every tribe. And this man wasn't just men. They wasn't just some fly by night, but they were preachers. Moses handpicked certain preachers to go into the land and tell them how good the land is. And these preachers got down there and they enjoyed the benefits of the land. They enjoyed the supernatural presence of the land. But when it came back to influence their, to influence their churches, they said, it's not for us. We don't want to be labeled Pentecost. It's all emotion. It's all workup. We're okay with our psychology. We're okay with our intellectual doctrine. We got the message and that's all. We got the mechanics. Church, if we're not careful, that's where every message church is headed. Oh, we got the message, and absolutely right. We got it. We got the evidence. We got to have more than just the evidence. We got to have the land. Don't settle for just the evidence. Notice, Brother Bram would say, when they got to Kadesh, the judgment seat, then the testing time come. So I want you to notice, after the great miracles and things, that were ready to go over and possess the land, and the testing time come, they were afraid to go. And I think, brethren, today, that's what's the matter with the church. It's at the end of the great doctors and the theology, I think the testing time for the church. He goes, I think it's a testing time for the church. I wonder how many see the great miracles that are done here at Even Light Tabernacle. How many witness the living God manifesting here in our church? How many look and they desire the freedom of worship that we have here? But when it comes time to say, let's go, we can do this, they pull back. We don't want that in our church. Oh, they, they, they like it. They like what they see. Or maybe even some of them will say, well, you know what? That's just emotion. Or that's just work up. Them young kids, they need to have some church order. Well, Bam says now, he says, and just before going in, they sent 12 spies. They come back, and when they did, 10 of the spies, oh, it's a good land. The 12 said, it's good. Said it had a bunch of grapes cut down that two of the men packed, and they, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. He goes, I imagine that it was a pretty good bait, don't you? Milk and honey. That would make a good Pentecostal cocktail. He goes, wine, milk, honey, all stirred together. Man, talk about vitamins. That's more than a drugstore ever did have. Oh, what's wrong with a Pentecostal cocktail? No, today we got dead churches. We got dead preachers. 
We got churches that don't got no young people because there ain't no preaching to inspire them. There's nothing there. They went into the land. They know that the land, they know that the land of the message is good. They know that it can produce the results, but they're afraid to let the land be, to be manifested in their church. He says, now notice, he said, it's flowing with milk and honey. Ten of them, oh, but brethren, we can't do it. It's all walled up. It's impossible. The denominations are too high. I'm telling you, just because, he goes now, but one little old fella knowed what it was talking about. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, he says, we can take it. That's what it is today. They said, can we have an interdominational, old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled revival? He says, certainly we can. Can we have divine healing? Certainly we can. Can we have divine healing in the Presbyterian, in the Methodist, in the Lutheran, in the Baptist churches? Let me say, can we have it in the Methodist churches? Can we have it? He says, certainly we can. God said so. He said, them men was looking at the circumstances. Caleb and Joshua was looking at the word. That made the difference. He said, these spies were looking at the conditions, what the price they had to pay, but Caleb and Joshua was looking at the promise of God and what God had given him, go and possess the land. See, the, the Holy Ghost is for whosoever is called to the wedding supper. And I trust this morning that you've been called. He goes, I don't care what the price you got to pay. He says, go get it. God says it's yours. If you don't get it, then he's going to ask you why. That's right. That's right. If you don't get it, he's going to ask you why. Why didn't you get it? Why? It was there for you. See, if they didn't possess the land, there's too many against us. He said, he said, well, if God said, I'm for you, then who can be against you? What's the matter? There's something wrong with the individual, not the church. There's nothing wrong with the promised land. There's nothing wrong with the evidence. There's something wrong with the individual. Why didn't you get it? So if God be for us, then who can be against us? But we find borderline believers. They come right up to the border and they see the supernatural. They witness and testify the greatness of God, and they sit there, and they refuse to go in. Brother Brown would tell it like this in the message, why in Phoenix? He said, then when he brought, when he talked about a borderline believer, when he's brought right up to the borderline, sat right in the meetings and watched the working of the Holy Spirit, see others get healed, hear them speak with tongues, and see signs and wonders done, they'll sit around and watch it, but afraid to put their hand on it. They'll sit around and watch it, but they're afraid to put their hands on it. He said, that's a whole lot like today. That's what's the matter with many of the churches. They've taken a carnal intellectual route and been cut off from the supplies of God's blessing and healing and power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they have took to the desert route. Therefore, we have arguing, we have fusses, we have stews, we have complaints, but those who are still remaining in the way, it's joy unspeakable, full of glory with God, with the pillar of fire over them, with power, with joy, with the signs and wonders. How the real born-again church is moving on into the promised land, the promise of eternal life, a land flowing with eternal life. He says, where there's no sickness, no death, no sorrow, nor nothing to harm. That's where we're headed, church. Let's keep our eyes on the promise. But he says, when the carnal minds begin to come among them and finally drove them off the main path into the desert, he said, they made their fatal mistake when they failed to go on. And many people have failed to move on into the promises of God's word. They failed. Three days journey. So close. But yet because of unbelief, they were so far away. In church, we're so close. We're so close. Don't let unbelief keep you from entering into that land. See, when they got there, they camped. 
God had been good to them, showed them how great and wonderful signs he'd done in Egypt on their journey. He had prepared everything for them. But when they got to Kadesh Barnea, they resolved to settle down right there and refused to move forward. They came back with evidence. They cut down branches. They cut down clusters of grapes. But when they came back, they brought the great big clusters. Brother Bram said, he said, they all gathered before the congregation of the Lord. They brought the report, and God had told them of the truth that the land is flowing with milk and honey. It's a good land. It's a land of seed. It's to grow, it'll grow anything. It's a wonderful place. We got plenty of water, rivers, irrigations, everything to make the, the great nation. But, but there's Amorites. There's Hittites. There's other things there, and some of them are giants, and we are as grasshoppers. See, but two of them, two of them said we're able. Two of them said we're able. We're able to take the land. We're able to possess the land. We're more than able. We're well able to do it. And Brother Brown said it all depends on what you're looking at. And this morning, Churches all depends on what we're looking at. If you're looking at your affliction, you'll never go any further. But if you're looking at the promise, you can be healed and delivered. See, if you look at the promise of God, you've got it right to every redemptive blessing that God promised in his word. The Christian always looks to the unseen. Every redemptive blessing belongs to the believer. But you have to fight for every inch. You have to fight for every inch. I remember when I first became a Christian, you had to fight for every inch. But you know, now as a believer, you have to fight to keep every inch that you gain. See, God's given every sick person in here divine healing. Every one of you. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. With your stripes, we were healed. It's yours. But you'll have to fight for every inch you possess. Everywhere the soles of your feet travel, God told Joshua, I've given it to you. Footsteps means possession. Let's move in tonight. He said, let's go on. Footprints is possession. Let's take every inch of ground that God gives us. If you haven't got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Peter said, the promise is unto you, to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The works that I do, he said, you're going to do also. That's a promise. That's in the promised land. Let's possess it. Let's let's God's promise be made manifest. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look how hard it is. Let's look at the promised land and let's possess what belongs to us. See, Joshua fought for every inch. And he says, whether there's giants, whether there's atheists, he says, whether there's infidels, whether there's cold formal churches, what difference does it make? God give the promise. Let's take it. It's ours. It belongs to us. It's our possession. Let's go get it. Don't be afraid. So you got to fight for every inch, church. It ain't going to come. We're not in a a flowery bed of ease. When others fought to win the prize who sailed through bloody seas, we got to fight if we should reign. Increase our courage, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. God's promises are true. Nothing can stop them. And they're God's promises. He gave the promise to every believer that's here this morning. Now, you must occupy. You must take possession. Brother Brown says, now, he says, I can't tell you how divine healing works. I can't tell you how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk, but I drink it anyhow. I can't tell you how divine healing works. I don't know the form of it, but I've tasted. I've witnessed. We've seen it here in our own church. I know it's part of the promised land. I know it's results. I know it's, it's for me, and I may not be able to produce it in my own life, but I'm not going to stand before anybody else that can. I'm not gonna, I may not have the faith to believe, but I'll tell you what, I'm not going to stand in somebody else's way that does have the faith to believe. But see, they made their mistake when they began to murmur and complain. Yeah, that's right. And I say, let them murmur and criticize our worship. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let them make fun of us and say what they will. We're only rejoicing about the evidence. Oh, if they know what we know. If they knew how good those grapes tasted. If they knew how good it was to believe for the promise. If they knew how good it was to be miraculously healed. See, we're just rejoicing about the evidence in the land. We're not focused on all the obstacles. We're not concerned about the giants. We're not concerned about how how the walled cities are. Our focus is on that the land belongs to us, and I'm going after it. See, there's healing in the land. There's deliverance. There's miracles. There's joy. There's peace. He said, but the carnality had cut their spiritual supply off. Carnality had cut off their joy, and they began murmuring and fussing, and they took them off in the desert. So there is a principle right here. You go and you start murmuring, you start complaining, and you start murmuring, it'll cut your spiritual supply right off. You won't move past that point. So be careful what you murmur about. Be careful what you complain about. Be careful how you criticize the ministry. Furthermore, refuse, don't criticize the ministry. We're human just as much as you're human. There's not one of us that's perfect. He walked 2,000 years ago and made a way for us who are unperfect to be made perfect through his blood. See, they left the garlic pots of Egypt eating angels' food. They crossed through the Red Sea, and yet they get to a place where they're three days away, and they complain. I got to go to church again. I mean, really? Didn't we just hear Brother Joe Wednesday night? We just heard him last Sunday. We got to go through this rigmarole all over again. Begin to murmur. But we've seen the presence of God, the evidence, begin to flow through our young people, begin to flow through the older people. We've seen the, the fruit of the land. We're tasting on it. Nobody can tell us that it's not real. Nobody can tell us that it's not for us. But see, we've been around here 40, 40 years. Brother Bram said 40 years is up. They stayed on that mountain 40 years. We stayed in our denomination 40 years, fussing this way and that way. Do you ever think them people done? He goes, did you ever think what them people done out there for 40 years? 40 years, they wandered around the mountain looking at the promise. That was for you. That was for you. That was for you. 40 years. They wandered until the old fighters had to die off. Those ones that said, we can't take it. It's not for us. Oh, they want to fight with this group, and they want to fight with that group, and they want to fight with this group, and they want to fight. Well, you can't listen to, you know, if you don't listen to my tapes, you're not going to make it. They just keep fighting here, and they keep fighting there. Oh, you got to push play, and we just keep fighting here, and we just keep fighting there. All the old fighters has got to die off. And Brother Brown said, there's a new generation being raised up the entire time. He goes, oh, but the end of the 40 years is up, brother. He said, there's a new generation being raised. That's right. There was a Joshua raised up one day. He absolutely believed the word, every bit of the promise. He says, now, he says, this new, this new group, they wasn't fighters. He goes, he let all the old fighters die off. When the old fighters died off, he took the sons, raised them up among Joshua, and sent them over into the full promise. And I believe that's where we're seeing today. We're seeing not old fighters anymore. We're not seeing sons being grafted down and they're taking the, the mantle from their pastor or the mantle from their dad. And they just continue to want to fight with this group and fight with that group. We're talking about a new generation that's looking at the land. It's time that we possess the promised land. It's time we put our shields in our, in our scabbard and move into the promises of the word of God. Quit fighting with one another. Quit fighting with the churches and let's move into the promises of God. 
Let's move upward, he says. Let's get off this mountain. Move up into the promised land. Let's start going up. Possess the land. God told them, go and possess it. And all the old fighters is gone now. They're dying off one by one. One by one. Put your sword back in the sheath and don't fight. He says, listen, man, don't make the same mistake your fathers did or you'll be here for 40 years. How many years have we been circling around this mountain after the prophet went off the scene? We're some 50, 60 years waiting to go into the land. But we're on our road. We're on our road. And notice, he says now, don't go over by Mount Sire. He says, don't bother him. Don't fuss at him. Just pass him on by. He goes, how do you do, brother? Walk right on by. You've been, you've been wanting to get to him and shake him and tell him that he hasn't, he ain't got nothing. He said, that's Esau. Mount Seir belongs to Esau. He said, don't go over there. He goes, I give that to Esau. That's all, that's all the fathers that he's supposed to, that's all the further that he's supposed to go. That's all that he knows about. That's the only thing that he knows in his denomination. He goes, that's all that God gave him. Just pass him on by. Don't go to fussing and fighting with him. Just pass by quietly. But look here, Jacob, you Pentecostal Jacob, you're really born again, got the experience and led by the Holy Ghost. Don't go fussing with him. But Pentecostal Jacob has the full promise down in the land. Oh, church, we ain't got to try to straighten everybody else out. That's not our promise. No, we let them. If they want to criticize, let them criticize. That's as far the further they can go. But somebody's going into the land. Somebody's tasted of it. Somebody's made their way. We're going, Lord. We're going to make our move. Possess the promise. Possess the promise. The promise is unto you. We've been here 40 years. He says, using this as an evidence. Speaking in tongues. He says, we've been using that as an evidence for 40 years. Speaking in tongues and divine healing. He goes, that's just a few grapes brought back from the promised land. The land is ours. It all belongs to us. He goes, don't be afraid that the other fellow's going to beat you down there. No, he says, join up with them and go take over. Go join up with them and let's take over. Worried about this church having something that we ain't got. We don't need to worry about that. Let's just join up with them and go take over. He goes, we've been on this mountain for 40 years. Let's get off of it and let's go toward the promised land. See, our differences turned him away, our separation of brotherhood. He says, in the way that we have sent after all these things of the world instead of the things of God. You find men today, they're kingdom building. They got something that's different than this message. Oh, yet they proclaim that they have the message, but yet there's something that's different in their ministry, different in their church, different in their circle of influence. But when God sent us a prophet, he sent us a prophet. And that prophet revealed to us the fullness of the word. He didn't break anything out different. So why are we separating brotherhood? Why are we separating fellowship? It's time that we move into the promised land of the word and keep what the prophet of God had said. Stop all the division and bring back the unity. So we're not fighting against the men. We're fighting against the spirits just trying to come in there. He goes, what have you done? He goes, in the wilderness for 40 years, walking around over and over the same old grounds. We got Acts 2 and we got Acts 4 and we got Acts 2 and we got Acts 4. He goes, we done run that to death. Let's go on. The promised land is there for whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive it and you shall have it. He says, Acts 2 and 4 is all right, but it ain't all of it. Oh, Acts 2, what is that? Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. He goes, that's good, but that ain't all of it. 
Oh, church, there's more to the promised land. There's more for the believer. Don't just camp out on the outskirts. Let's go in. Let's make our move. God don't want you to be the borderline believer. God wants you to go in and possess the promise. The promise is just beyond the river, just beyond there. He says, now, let me start bringing this down to a close. I got a few more minutes, but we're going we're gonna to get you out of here a little bit early this morning. He goes, don't take these new things. We find ministers today, they got this new idea. You got them all over the place. We got Elohim now, and we got this one, and we got that one. We got men all around the world raising themselves up to a pinnacle. Now we're in the Laodicean church age, which is completely, or the bride age, which is different than the Laodicean age. So now we've got to have a messenger that's going to bring us in and out and all this kind of garbage. We've got more man-made hoopla than we have, but God sent us a message. And it's clearly one thing, the land belongs to you. He goes, don't take anything else new. He goes, they're flying everywhere. There'll be more than that come. He says, don't take these new things. The Lord your God has declared to you what is truth. He's declared to us what is truth. The Lord your God has vindicated what is truth. And by his word and by his spirit, he says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. God seeks those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he has thoroughly vindicated Jesus Christ to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. He showed the evening seeds to you. He's revealed it to you in the word. He has proven it to you by his spirit. He says, now... Don't never get nothing among you. If you see something coming in your heart against somebody, get it out of there right then. Oh, you know, some, some of us, you know, we're so supernatural and spiritual, we like to just keep that thing there just in case we need it to let it loose. Oh, prick the nerve there. Well, I'm just going to put that thing, I'm going to push it back a little bit. And when it needs to come out, there's going to be a line. Yes. He says, don't never get nothing among you. If you see something come in your heart against somebody, get it out of there right then. Don't let that thing fester. Don't let that thing boil over. Don't let that thing keep you from the blessings of the promised land. He says, don't let, and Satan will do his best to get among you. So it's not your brother. Some of you probably had a squabble on the way to church this morning. It's not your wife. It's not your kids, parents. Amen to that one, huh? Yeah, you got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. He says, it's not your wife, it's not your kids. Satan will do his best to get among you. Why? Because he wants to block the blessing that you're about to receive. He doesn't want you to enter into the land. He wants you to stay on the outskirts and just fester a little bit. Let them come say something to me today. I'm just not in the mood for this. Don't you mess with me today. My boss told me one time, it was so funny, he just got newly married. And at this point in time, and his, they, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. And the baby done something, I don't know, and... And apparently she was not in such a good mood. And she looked over him, don't you start with me today. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, good Lord, they starting early. <laughs> That's how sometimes we feel. Don't you say nothing to me. They, I'll go to church today, but they better not say the thing because I'm just probably going to get in the carnal. I'm going to be fleshy flesh. <laughs> he said, don't let that get among you. That keeps you from the promise. It keeps you from the joys of the Lord. It keeps fellowship and brotherhood broken. God doesn't want us to break our fellowship. 
No, he wants us to enter into the land. He says, some slick-tongued fellow might come along and try to take you away. He says, you think that they could talk Moses out of the presence of God where he stood there and he seen it? He says, no. He goes, we don't take it. We don't add to it. We don't take from it. We just keep the word the way the Lord gave it. That's what we're to do, church. So they can add all they want to add. They can take away all they want to take away. They want the blood out. Take the blood out. That's fine. He saw you can do what you want. You don't want the emotion. You ain't got to have the emotion. You don't want the presence of God. You don't have to have the presence of God. You don't have to have none of that. But for me and my house, we're going to serve God in the fullness of his word. We're going to trust God. We're going to enter into the promised land. I'm not looking at this family or that family, what this one's doing or what that one's doing. I'm looking right here. I know what the word declares. And it's time for somebody to make their move. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and possess it. We are well able to overcome. He goes, I thank God. I thank God he has some Caleb's and some Joshua's that's ready to go over. Go over and bring back the evidence. Hallelujah. It's a great land. Bring him back two branches of grapes. They was walking there. He goes, my, what a ground, what a place. Thank God for people who's crossed over out of the old cold formal shackle down ungodly church moss back Christian. Hallelujah. Got to a place where they stepped over in the Canaan's land. Eat a lot of good grapes that even make you slobber in the pulpit. And they said, Brother Branham didn't get emotional. Whew. Man, he probably spit out a bunch of slobber eating the grapes of Canaan. Man, if you would have been where he'd been, you would have seen the supernatural. You'd been lifted up in heavenly places the way he's been lifted up. And he'd come down as a foreshadow to tell us that we can go beyond the curtain of time, that it is a good land. Oh, it's a good land, church. We're no longer old in that land. We're no longer hurting in that land. But that joy is unspeakable and full of glory in that land. He's gone beyond the curtain of time. And he's telling you, it's a good land. It's a land flowing. It's got milk. It's got honey. It's got young eggs. We're going to that land, and ain't no devil can keep us. No unbelief will keep you from that land. It'll make you slobber at the pulpit. It'll make you spit. I don't care. I'm going to that land. I tasted of the milk and honey. I tasted of the stimulation of the wine of victory. Oh, how many of you can testify if you crossed over? Oh, yeah, we tasted of the milk and honey. We're feasting on the land. Fresh manna. Oh, hallelujah. He said, God sent the land before him. Go possess it. Bring back the evidence. He goes, really? He goes, you, ra- you really get down to mean it before God. God will take you over across there. No matter what the seminary preachers say, we can have the Holy Ghost. Let me just say, we can have a dance, a genuine dance. We can have a run, a victory. We can have an emotion, as long as it's genuine. But let me just tell you, if we have something that's not genuine, I'd rather have a little bit of wildfire than no fire. Because you can't get warm by a painted fire. But if you got a little bit of wildfire, it'll get you heated up. And that wildfire begin to move and begin to move to this one and begin to jump over on this one. And then finally you'll find that the whole church is set on fire. Why? Because they tasted of the land. They tasted of the goodness. They tasted of the milk and honey. They tasted of the blessing of God. They tasted of it. Oh, no fire don't scare you. I want more fire. I want more word. I want more revelation. I want more milk. I want more honey of the word of God. Let me get into that land. 
He says, don't let the devil squall. He goes, just let the devil squall and scream. Have all his tantrums that he wants to. Thus saith the Lord. This is right. Don't stop, church. Don't wonder if it's for you. Quit wondering about it. Is it for me? Is it for my family? Can I make the rapture? Can I be saved? Am I even a Christian? Do I have the Holy Ghost? You can put every one of those questions to rest right now by going forward. But as long as you're wandering and wondering and not moving forward, you'll stay there. You'll be camped out. The Holy Ghost ain't for me. Well, I'll tell you what, it is if you go forward. Healing ain't for me. It is if you go forward. It's yours. It's already been promised to you. Just take it. We're in our hour of decision. We've seen the fruits of the land. If we declared this across here Wednesday night, Sister Mariah, Sister Alana, Sister Sharon, Sister Marilyn, Brother Gary, Sister Karen Pruitt, Brother Drew Dexter, Sister Jessica Conroy, we got Brother Aaron, we got different ones that God has done the miraculous for. But will you camp out on fear? Will you camp out on unbelief? Will you camp out on the giants in the land? Will you refuse today to live on the outskirts and say, today I'm moving forward? Today I'm going into the land. Don't camp, don't camp out on the land that doesn't have fruit. Let me bring this to a close. Musicians can make their way back. Brother Brown says, we can take it. It's ours. We're able. We need tonight is to do it. He says, what we need tonight is to do it. It's yours. The promise is unto you. It's unto your children. To them that are in Chicago, as many as the Lord our God shall call freedom of choice. To me, he's the same. To me, he will keep his promise. To me, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. See, because I believe, hallelujah, do you believe it's your choice? We're at the borderland. I can hear Joshua. I can hear our Joshua say, the move is on for the bride. That's thus saith the Lord. The move is on for the bride. Now notice, every one of you that came up here the other night, Wednesday night, as a evidence of the land, there's five out there saying you can't have it. Five to one, 10 against two. The odds are against you. The odds are against us. Just play something. Last year, there was a two-year-old colt finished dead last in his first race. And I'm bringing this to a close. And I'm going to end it right here. Disappointed, his owners placed him in a claiming race where anyone can take ownership of the horse for a fee. $30,000 was the price paid for this horse. $30,000. That looks like a big number. But it's immaterial. An older man claims the colt after missing his chance to claim another horse that he wanted. He says this is his last attempt to find some success in the racing industry. In the next race, the colt wins by 17 lengths, and his new owner is encouraged. But in a few races that follow, he finishes third twice, fourth once, and fifth once. But his owner still believes. Oh, I think we got an owner that's looking down upon us. He still believes in this little colt. This year in 2022 is the Colts' only chance to race in a major thoroughbred race, which is limited to three-year-old horses. The day before the Kentucky Derby, the field of horses is already full, but then at the last moment, a famous trainer scratches and he withdraws his horse. The Colt takes his place in the field of 20 horses 
just 30 seconds before the entry deadline. 30 seconds. That's all you need today, church. Just 30 seconds. 30 seconds before the entry deadline. Now he's in the game. Now he has a chance. But all the metrics and all the predictors are against him. Neither his owner or his trainer nor his jockey has ever been associated with any horse in the Kentucky Derby. This was a brand new area. His jockey had never won a major event. And they, they were outsiders and newbies in the elite arena. And on the morning of the race, the odds of winning are set at 80 to 1. This horse shouldn't even been in this race. This jockey shouldn't even been on this horse. He had never won a major event. This horse has never won a major race. And now they find themselves in the Kentucky Derby. And all the odds are against you. All the odds are against them. And halfway around the track, the colt is 16 horses back from the lead. Just as we suppose. Why are you even here? Look at you. You're 16th. You're way at the back of the pack. You're just four horses from the back. He can't even be seen in the field of view by the drone that's flying over. And look, he's a nobody. He's a throwaway. He's an insequential participant. He's just there to make sure they have a, a quorum to have a race. Just to make sure they got 20 horses. But then he makes his move. Oh, there it is, church. But then he may be 16 back. Nobody may give him any recognition. But then he makes his move. He begins to work his way through the crowd. He begins to find a little pass here and a few opportunities there. And he has, as they head toward the finish line, he's moved up to fifth. Then he's moved up to fourth. And still, no one notices him. No one sees him. No one mentions him. Everybody's attention's on the first two, the two well-known horses. But only seconds before the finish, before the finish, he suddenly and magically passes the two front horses. And the announcer struggles to identify him and to say his name. He almost, almost in a single breath, red strike is coming up on the inside. Oh my goodness, the longest shot has won the Kenderby Derby. I'm going to tell you tonight, church, all the odds may be against you. They may say, you can't take the land. They may say, you shouldn't even be here. But I'm going to tell you, make your move. Make your move right here. This is your service. This is your morning. You got a need. God is here. Make your move. Make your move, church. You're not destined to be last. You're destined to go into the promised land. Oh, possess the land. Make your move. Find your way to the front. Oh, let me tell you, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's a good land. It's a good land. It's a good land. Satan says you can't do it. Satan says you shouldn't even be in the race. God's saying. God is saying make your move. Satan says you can't have the Holy Ghost. God's saying make your move. Satan says cancer is going to destroy you. God said make your move. Satan says you can't have your kids. They're going to have to stay out there in the wonder, in the, in the, in the desert wilderness. God said, make your move. Right. Come on, somebody going to make a move? You're going to make a move? You're going to take God at his word? Is there going to be a Caleb and a Joshua here? Says we're well able to take the land. It belongs to me today. It's my land. It's my children. I will believe it's for whosoever will. Make your move, church. Make your move this morning. The presence of God is here. He won't let you stay stranded. He won't leave you in the backcourt. He's here to receive.
need you. Make your move this morning. It's time. It's time that you put your marching shoes on. It's time you start marching. Don't stay camped out in unbelief. Don't stay camped out in fear. That's all right. Come on, Sister Dan. You got a need? Make your move. God is here. God is here for any of you this morning. You got a need. You got a need. Make your move this morning. Make your move. Don't be a desert wanderer. Don't be a desert wanderer. Don't be satisfied with living on the outskirts of the promise. Make your move this morning. Make your move this morning. He's a God who's rich in mercy. A God who was withhold no good thing for them that walk uprightly. Make your move. Some besetting sins, some habits got you bound. Make your move this morning. Break that cycle. Some family traits, some family strain, some complex. Make your move this morning. Break that thing. Look, church, we got to quit going around and around the mountain. It's time we move into the promises of God. For the word is yea, and the word is amen, and the word belongs to me. I am a son. I am a daughter of God. I have rights to the promised land. I'm making my move this morning.
chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, answer me. And like a flood, His mercy Oh, but 
name and let the worshipers arise let the sons and daughters sing oh I'm surrendering my own oh I surrender to the King bride rejoicing this morning and father I see a bride rejoicing in a song of victory every chain of death is broken and they have been set free Satan's kingdom is defeated oh let our worship bring praise to our Lord glory to our Oh, hear the praises ring. 